Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hello, welcome to the Balance Podcast. Our guest today, Esme Creed Miles, the star of Hannah, a very popular show on Amazon. The second series dropped. I've got to stop saying dropped. I'm 42 now. Uh, dropped recently. Esme, what a talent. As you'll discover in this chat, though, somewhat admirably, Esme is, is, has already branched out into directing. And it would appear that that is where Esme sees her future. You know, dis- I shouldn't say despite, but she, you know, she's clearly a very talented actor. And it's to her credit that she uh, wants to blossom and grow. Hannah is a very fine show. If you are looking for that new box set, it's action-packed. There are twists, there are turns. It's a heck of a cast. Call me old-fashioned. I, lo- I love me some great stunt work. Uh, and some great stunts in it as well. It always looks beautiful as well. It looks great. And we sort of dive into that, really. The, the, the better TV shows are... Are looking and the impact that that can have and it was it was great to chat i must admit the next day i thought if either of my girls end up like esme then i will have done a good job great discussion i learned a great deal i always like to i regular listeners will know that i'm no stranger to thinking i have an opinion listening to someone else and then me going yeah okay i i, <laughs> I like what you just said <laughs> And that certainly happens here. Esme was wonderful, and um, blimey, O'Reilly, I would, I would happily. I'm not saying that we would do this, but uh, I would happily do a weekly part. I mean, she, it's ridiculous. I mean, as I say, I'd like to grow a fringe. But while she was talking, I thought, God, I could do a podcast with her every week. Uh, anyway, huge thanks to Esme. Hannah is an absolute banger, and is available to watch on Amazon. I actually, uh, I actually prefer it to the. Movie is that sacrilege? I do. The movie is a very fine movie. I always remember the tagline: "Adapt or die." I've gone full partridge. This is just an absolute meander. But if you like the movie, I would say this certainly does its own thing. It's a belter. Uh, so huge thanks to Esme, and here she is, Esme Creed Miles. Uh, how are you? All right. Good, thanks. Yeah, how are you? Uh, yes, not too bad. Not too bad. Are you? Um, will you be sorry to see lockdown go? Yeah. Well, it's kind of going already, isn't it? I don't know. I was I was like, I was out and about last night. I went for dinner and I just felt very weird. I felt like this was all wrong and everyone just needs to go back inside for a bit longer. <laughs> I totally agree. Did you manage to go to a restaurant? I did, yeah. I mean, it was like, I hadn't seen some people in a while and the restaurant was very big, so everything was distanced and, you know, the waiters and stuff were wearing masks. But I found myself like, you know, I went for a pepper and I went to you know put some pepper on my pasta and then I was like holding the pepper grinder I, went, I never held this pepper grinder before I never had that feeling ever 
And then I was pureling my hands like after touching the pepper grinder and it was very weird. Um, but then I just felt like, well, I mean, I live in London and I'm out and about a lot, you know, I have to go out and do things. So if, you know, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it and I'm young, but I just felt like, you know, I haven't seen my grandparents in months and months and I don't know when I will be able to, and it just sucks. Anyway, it's very sad. Oh, I'm sorry. So have you not, have you not been able to see the grandparents, uh, as yet then? Is that, is that still, you still waiting? No, I mean, yeah, my granddad, he only lives a, like, you know, 20 minute drive away, but he's not, you know, he's not, he said very funnily, he was like, no one has crossed, crossed my threshold since March the something. <laughs> he was like, I was like, okay. Also, it's awful, but yeah. And I just, I just wish we could all just stay indoors a little bit longer until, um, until we know what's going on a bit better. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I think. I, I, I agree completely. Um, have, have you had any, um, I, look, I will, I will hold my hands up. I'm well aware this is a tone deaf thing to say, and I, I apologize profusely, but I, I will confess to, you know, what's happened globally, but I, I will confess being able to press pause on life, which is something that, wouldn't have been possible otherwise i i have found positives so spending more time with the kids that I, you know something i've not done before due to working all the time uh, i just wondered if you'd if you'd uh, found positives in, in what happened i don't know yes i think so there maybe are i mean i've spent a lot of quality time with people in my life that i, I do love and i think i wouldn't have you know, I wouldn't have got to a place that I have done with some of those people had had it not been for this sort of situation. Um, but I mean, like creatively, uh, I haven't found it to be useful. I found it incredibly draining. Um, the anxiety, uh, I, I think, is quite prohibitive, and I don't, I don't feel like I'm using the, my hours to read or do things that are necessarily productive. If anything, I sort of feel the need to dissociate most of the time with kind of really bad telly um so that is true because obviously you know in that dream world we would we'd wake up and we'd go for that run and we'd write that script and all, and all of that but the, the reality is you're right the uh the anxiety and the uncertainty it it, it doesn't necessarily make for uh the best creative environment I guess does it not at all yeah no I have fun every day I have a, I mean this is one of my issues I have like fantasy days you know I wake up and I I have this like a schedule in my head when actually I get up at about 10 10 30 yeah and then I don't finish out and I have breakfast at like midday and then uh like and then I'm like where the and then it's dark and then I'm like what am I doing and then I just like well it's pretty late now I may as well watch watch some reality tv and then I'm tired and then I'm like, well, I may as well go to bed. <laughs> so, <Sure. laughs> that's what the days look like. <laughs> um, now, as someone who's watched some bad telly this lockdown, what, what bad telly are we, are we talking? Um, well, li- literally, I've discovered Real Housewives for the first time in my life. Uh, I think it you know is. If, if, I could, if I could swap my wife to field the uh, Real Housewives stuff, because I think you and her probably have similar viewing habits. I mean, literally, I I consider myself. To, I'm always to, I, I'm very pretentious, and I think I'm above that stuff. <laughs> but actually, um, it is entertainment at its like finest. It really is. Like it, it has everything. It has, 
you know, you follow you follow the, the family elements, the kids growing up and leaving home and the, the marital problems and then the friendship issues and the fights. I mean, every it's just like a paradigm for life. Everything happens in life happens on that show in a far more privileged setting. And um, it's very entertaining. <laughs> yeah. I, I, see, I would always maintain that like, it, like a classic series of Celebrity Big Brother would have all the things that you've talked about there and then it would have this payoff and there was something all, I mean I'm giving it too much credit but shows like that they, there is something almost Shakespearean with, with the rise and the fall and the, mm. uh, the things that they go through it's um, yeah. they transcend I think some of those shows transcend maybe what they'd initially set out to achieve I guess because the because it's it's life isn't it it's human yeah drama. yeah I mean, it's funny. There's this. There's the one English woman in the in in the, among the wives was my favorite. In the first, I started from the beginning, which starts. I think it's like 2010, and I only started watching it like a few weeks ago. I'm already on season five now, which is great. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I really love this one, Lisa Vanderpump. Like she was my favorite because she's English. Yeah. And I was like, go and represent, you know, like. And she was so classy, and she was she didn't get too involved in the drama. And then all of a sudden, like this dark side started to appear as the longer she was on the show. And then I, and then she went from like literally being the queen to everyone turned on her. And then they, and then it was this bigger, yeah, it was really Shakespearean. She fell, she fell from her throne. Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, we, there's, I would say bad telly is wonderful. You know, it's one thing for escapism, but now you, now you are associated not just with good telly, but with, with great telly, some of, some of the very best telly. Um, this is a real, you know, this is a real golden age of, of TV and you were at the absolute vanguard uh, of this. How how wonderful is it to be uh, associated with with such a, a show that's beloved by critics, but also with audiences? I mean, it's, it's dreamland, isn't it? Um, you know, it's really weird because I, like, I... I'm super grateful for the opportunity to be involved. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not naive to like how incredible that opportunity is and, and how, you know, how, how, what a great gig it is essentially. But my life hasn't changed very much apart from the fact that I'm now in a better position to support myself. My life hasn't really changed. And, um, and I just kind of work a lot more and I have a lot more pressure so I think there's an assumption that like, you know, if you're involved in something like this, everything's roses. And actually the industry is still very competitive. And um, especially for someone like me, you know, I, I want to be a filmmaker. I've just like directed a film last year and that's what I really want to do. And so like actually with TV being such a gargantuan beast, it really does take up a lot of space for independent voices. And so, you know, the oversaturation in, the, in you know, streaming, platforms it's really it's I think it's really hard to, to navigate that as a viewer and also as an artist um because it, it is confusing as to who is holding the reins you know like people who are who have a financial interest in the art and people who have a have an artistic interest in the art so like I think the show is good because obviously like David came from a theatre background and you know they do get really interesting directors like Eva who directed the first two episodes I mean she She's amazing. She her first, I think it was her second film went to Cannes, Girls of the Sun, and it's so I mean to get to work with her on something like this was like just a dream come true to work with someone like that. So 
I think for me, those are the, those are the things that I really love about it. You know, meeting people like that. But I do worry for I do worry for the industry in terms of the expansion of television a lot. I guess the 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 power is in the. I mean, and, and please, you know, by all means, tell me I'm wrong because my my I'm one of those people. I think I've got an opinion. Someone will say something, I'll go, "Oh yeah, actually, I, I agree with what, we, with what you just said." <laughs> but with a, with a show like Hannah, it, it does feel like the power is in the, the the hand of the person at home. What I mean by that is because there is so much telly. If a show isn't brilliant. The, the person at home is pressing something else. Whereas with a show like Hannah, I mean, everything about it is such a, 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 a high, a high level. Uh, I mean, I guess that's a good thing though, isn't it? You know, in terms of uh, creatively. Yeah. I mean, I get, what are you saying that like, are you saying that like, because of the cornucopia of choice, like it, it indicates that it's good if people watch it. Well, I just think I, I just think that a show a show now has to be so good and Hannah, you know something that Hannah is, and therefore if the if the if the overall quality of TV has to get better in order to hold people's interests, then I just I feel that that is that can you know that can be a, a good thing because if, if a show's not great, then people you know people in this day and age just just won't watch it. Well, I'm going to have to politely disagree with you because that industry now is more is more concerned with quantity rather than quality. Um, and I think that, I think that, you know, the general attention span of people, the general, yeah, the, the overwhelm of choice and the like across the board degradation of quality that I'm, that I personally witness in, in, in mainstream, mainstream film and TV means that people's bars are a lot lower and I think that people are impressionable. And I think that um, I, I see a lot of things, even in like the Academy that are getting attention uh, that, that, you know, that do well at awards. And I, and I don't, and I don't understand it. I don't, I don't see, I mean, I don't, and this is not me speaking about Hannah because, you know, I'm maybe biased being a part of it, but I do think it, I do think it is almost, it, you know, it has that kind of indie film quality and I do think it's really fantastic. Yeah. But um and I think Amazon actually, in terms of the streaming services, is better at that, um, you know, and they do support a lot of good independent film. But, uh, but you know, there's a, lot, <laughs> there's a lot of crap out there and there's a lot of crap out there that people love. Um, so that's just my opinion. <laughs> so is, is your concern that some really interesting voices are not, are not being heard then? Because... Because the the heavyweights are, are, are too powerful. Yeah, I mean, there's a really interesting. Uh, I was watching this Scorsese interview the other day, and he's talking about the value of image has decreased because of oversaturation. So if you are being bombarded all day with your phone, your computer, your your Netflix, with image after image after image, the importance and sentiment of whatever your if whatever is being represented is devalued instantly, and. Um, and he was, you know, and he didn't make this comparison, but for me, it's like walking into an American supermarket, there is, you're overwhelmed by choice and I just get overwhelmed and I want to leave. And, um, and that overwhelm creates an anxiety that makes me disengage with film, film in general. And it makes it a lot harder to, uh, even though there's a wealth of information out there, 
there's so much of it that it actually for me makes it harder to find what I'm interested in because um you know like for example if you want to like the indie film circuits or film festival circuits if those films and the space in which people might watch them are being taken up by like streaming giants it means that their audience is limited which means that their possible financing is limited which means that they may not get to continue making those movies and um that's scary to me sorry i'm really rambling <laughs> no no I, I, just to be candid with you uh, the next time i get into a discussion i will be uh, repeating word for word what what you just said there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, someone had, someone had shared a list of, I think it was like the top 10 movies in the US box office from it was like 1987. So it was like this time in 1987. And they were making the point, like every single film was like a, a classic. And they were making the point that if, if comparing it to, say, 2020, you know, where it tends to be the fourth film of a franchise, the third spin-off, another reboot. Um, and I guess that sort of thing is, is making, is, is the, is that is that the sort of point that you're making there? Hundred percent. And also, you have to remember, like we live our society. Like, okay, I'm getting. <laughs> no, this know, is this people is, might get really pissed off with me saying this, and I don't want to, you know. And but the industry like now, you have the people who are pulling the strings, businessmen, right? You know, the people who get to make those choices are the people who have the money. Now, that's not necessarily a problem. Industry needs money to operate. Um, but when that becomes uh, when that becomes pretty much the solitary qualifying factor to be in that position, that sort of I mean, it negates being there because of because you have actual cultural merit. And I think that like a lot of people who are making those decisions don't. And um, you know, if their interest is to make X amount of money at the box office and not because they are generally emotionally invested in the stories they're telling then that just ruins it. And that is the case, I think, across the board. And I think it's the problem with streaming services. I think it's the problem with uh, TV. I think it's a problem with huge movie franchises. And um, they are taking money, time, space away from voices that need to be heard. What is the, uh, what do you think the, the answer might be? Is there a, is there a positive uh, way out to this? I have absolutely no idea, but... Um, I think it's, I think it's an, I think it's, I mean, I know nothing about, uh, I'm going to say this word wrong. Cause I always want to say, oh, this is really stupid. This is really stupid. I always want to say ecology and it's not, it's economics. I don't know why my brain does that, but I know nothing about like economy, but I think that's what it's all about. It's all about capitalism. I'm sounding super, super lame right now. No, this is it's, that's what it's about, and then that's wonderful. And that's the stru- that's the structure, and so like I, you know, there's not really much like, you know, it's like watching. Have you seen that documentary, Hypernormalization? No. You know, is it what's his name? Is it Andrew or Adam Curtis? Oh, Adam Curtis. He, oh, it's like watching that shit. You know, like we're we're, we're fucked, and like and like. <laughs> I'm super cynical as well. So I, I don't have, you know, and also at this point, I mean, the planet is literally going to die in like 20 years. So I, I mean, this kind of feels not important anyway, but, <laughs> but in my industry. Yeah. I don't I think, know. I mean, in terms of, I, 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 I totally, uh, yeah, I, I, I do totally get what you're saying. And I think I was, I think I've probably been naive 
with with I don't I certainly don't mean this with movies because I'm with you. My my heart breaks with uh, you know the state of of, of, cin- of cinema at times in terms of what does well and what doesn't do well. I, I think I was perhaps naively thinking that TV has to be as good as say Hannah or Ozark or you know and so on in order to survive. But but you're quite right. There are plenty of shows that don't hit that watermark that that do still get watched, don't they? Also, there's a loads of shows that just get made anyway, regardless. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's, there's like, shows. I mean, you on Netflix. There are so many shows. Yeah. I mean, I remember the one that Joel Carbon was in. Uh, Joel, Car- Joel Kinnaman was in before he did Hannah Altered Carbon. You know, if you look up the budget for that, I mean, it was up there, you know, it was, like, there for, like, do you know, 20, 20 seconds it was up there. It was, like, watch this show. That was it. You know, so is it, is it almost like a form of fishing in the, the you know that they'll, they'll make this show, they'll bang it out. But as you say, they spend a lot of money. If the people go for it, great. We'll make another another ten episodes. If they don't, oh well, and they yeah. just move on to the next thing. Is that they that... have so much money they can afford to take those risks? And I and in my mind, I'm like, well, what if you prioritize really, really good stuff, spent the money on that, and use that other money to lift up voices that haven't been heard or that need to be. And uh, and I just don't think... What would your all-time favourites be then? Favourite movies? Yeah. Um, all-time favourite movies. Um, King of Comedy. Incredible. Um, I love Beau Travai. It's probably one of my favourite movies. It's a Claire Denis film. You know, Dennis Levant at the end, he does that crazy dance. Um, what other movies do I love? I mean, I love the Safdie brothers. They're getting a bit more commercial now, which I think they deserve. But I thought that, you know, Good Time and um, Daddy Long Legs and were great films. Um, you Were Never Really Here, I thought was just incredible. Oh, my gosh. Um, what a piece of work that is. Uh, I'm trying to think. I get so overwhelmed. I think that, like, you know, uh, Gina Rowland's and all the stuff that she used to do is really inspiring to me, like A Woman Under the Influence and yeah. Cassavetes, all of his movies. And I also love old Woody Allen. I'm just going to say it. I do. I love his I love his old stuff. Really, really, really love it. Very important to me. I mean, on, when we're on Hannah and given, uh, you know, what you did with, with, with Jamie, are you just like, are you like a sponge there? You know, when you, because I just think, I think cinematically i think the way the way it's shot the way it looks uh the performances it's a really beautiful the cinematography is fantastic but it's really well directed as well is it a case are you just hoovering up as much uh information as you can there for you know for for yourself as a as a filmmaker yes um i i found that like when i when i was directing jamie i had this I don't think people understand when you're working on TV, the, the pressure, the time frame. it's like, you know, it's like, it feels like how when runners train, you know, at high altitude with bags of rocks before they go and do their normal running, you know? So like it, if you push yourself that intensely, when you come out of that environment and, and you're in an environment where you have more time, you're much more capable. I mean, I was, when I was just so on schedule when we were shooting my, my short, I really, they were like, Oh, you, you can go again. And I was like, no, 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 I've got it. Like it, that because on, because when you're working on TV, you don't have that much time. And I think that's what was really useful to me. And also when you working like on both sides of the camera, 
actually Eva said something really interesting to me and I don't know if she meant it with regard to me or not I don't know if she knew that I directed but she said she loves working with actors who direct because they understand her you know they understand her needs and um and I love that mutual relationship like working with directors who sometimes act a bit and working with you know and vice versa and that's a really nice relationship and so, so, and so I suppose the, the, the beautiful thing there is, given you are a director, when the director is saying, you know, we want to do, we want to do it like this, you, I guess you have more empathy, you know, rather than back in the day where the big Hollywood star, the director would go, director would go I mean, Kevin Smith tells his story about Bruce Willis, actually, doesn't he? Uh, we need a second take. And the star just goes, nope. They, they get this shot and what they need, they need Bruce to get out of the car and fire his gun. And uh, the first take is not a good take. I think he's blinking and, the, you know, and Kevin Smith. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Uh, he, you know, he seems like a reasonable dude. Was like, yeah, we, we need to do that again. And, uh, and he says, when you, watch, when you watch this particular film, that the one that they end up going with is, is the only take that Bruce would do. Um, whereas I guess by seeing it from both sides of the camera, uh, that's going to make you a... a, a Pleasure to work with. I don't know about that, but, <laughs> but yeah, let's hope so. Can you can you share with us? Uh, I, I know you. I'm not asking you to to spoil details or anything, but what, what's the plan there as a as a filmmaker? Is that is that where you see? Would you see yourself moving away from acting over time? Would you be a, a full time director? Um, I think that would be the dream. That would be the ultimate dream. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've always, I never really wanted to be an actress. That was never my goal. And then I, I just ended up, ended up doing it by accident. And then I, that being said, like, you know, if I get a script come through or an audition come through to work with like an amazing director or or production company, I get so excited. And there is a magic to like when you're, when you're, you have that moment in front of camera or, you know, you have that affinity with and I remember the first time I saw Dark River, like I was only a tiny, tiny part in that film, but coming out and just this sense of pride of being a part of that film was was something I'd never felt before. And it was really, like, really special. So I don't know if I necessarily want to lose those moments, but 
but I definitely my my joy comes from uh comes from combining my love of like aesthetic and storytelling and um and I think you can do that as an actor but I think that like you know my my brief experience of doing it as a director is, was super just fulfilling in, in a way that I'd never experienced as an actor so I think that like, I, I just want to keep finding that in my life but you know that's not that doesn't exclude being a part of wonderful projects as an actor as well I you know I mean I'd be lucky to do those things how, how did the how did the Hannah gig come about was it was it was it literally you were put up for the audition um well I have I had an agent and I said to I was off I was at university and I was halfway through my course and I said to her that I didn't want to I wasn't going to work or do any auditioning. I was at uni and like, I'd done a few movies when I was like 16. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to give this a, I'm not going to do this anymore. And then I was, uh, I was at university and I was really depressed and I was really bored. I was at art school and I didn't want to go to art school. I wanted to go and study English, but I didn't have any A-levels because I dropped out of school. So I was like, okay. And I was bored yeah. And I just called her up and I was like, is there anything interesting about right now? And she said, oh, actually, there's this Hannah thing that you could be good for. And I was like, okay, I'll do a tape. And I never thought I'd get it, you know, something like that. And so I also didn't think, well, it's great because I'll probably end up just continuing with my course, which would probably be good for me anyway. It won't harm to just send, an, send a tape in. And then I got it. I mean, that's, I mean, that's nice how that turned out then, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's pretty sweet, actually. You know, and then I wouldn't have directed without it. And I wouldn't have met all the amazing people I have on, on that journey. So, yeah, it's amazing. Now, given, the, given the twists along the way with a show like that, is it, is, it, is it one of those shows where you're not allowed to see the scripts? You, you know, do you see it like a day at a time or is it, is it not as closely guarded as that? No, it's not as closely guarded as that. And, you know, David will share with me scripts, you know, a few months leading to the shoot and stuff of the, maybe the first couple of episodes um which is much better you know it's better to have context what you're doing and time to prepare I can't imagine being on one of those jobs where you get you know it's day by day that would just be bizarre to me and this you know some of the big franchise movies I think it gets printed on like shiny paper so that you can't photocopy it and all all that it's so ridiculous like nobody gives a fuck chill out (laughs) this is exactly I once went to a set visit for it it was a, a lower budget film and they were they were telling me the stories because you know let's just say a well known film franchise whichever franchise you think it was is exactly that and they were they were telling me the the, the extent that they'd gone to to protect their set and they were just like we don't we don't care no one cares you know yeah 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 no no one cares may I ask. Obviously, some of the some of the action in this show is, you know, it's. I mean, that, I mean, that's one of the great things about TVs that, again, some of the shots in this show, it, it, a lot of movies, I, I guess, a lot of the, a lot of the action films are certainly having to raise their game because a show like Hannah is so good. Is is the training? Is it is it punishing or is it something that you uh, enjoy? I didn't train that much season two, actually. I trained a lot season one. And it killed me. And I didn't have enough time to prepare, really. And I'd never done any sport. But then after the season ended, you know, because you, you shoot a 30-hour day and then you have to go to the gym and work out and then you have to do stunt rehearsals on your days off. So you just die. And you're doing that for six to eight months. 
I mean, it's just like unbearable, um, which is another reason why when people are like, how amazing is it to be part of TV? I'm like, dude, you have no idea how much hard work this is. Like, seriously. And that's not just me. That's everyone. I mean, you know, because when I finish, we long days on TV. And so I might rap and then go and do training. But then, well, on season one, I didn't on season two. But then everyone else has to do a has to like get rid of the set, pack up, get home, derig the whole crew. So everyone's like doing really fucking long days, five days a week for a long time. And that's just the movie business. It's tough. And so the second season I was like, I can't, I need to preserve my energy for when I'm having to have like mental breakdowns all the time on camera. I can't be doing both emotionally and physically. Um, so I just didn't train as much. Um, but the, the stunt people were really great with that because then they sort of shouldered the burden a lot more of the time with me. Um, and then they would step in. And so I was only doing stuff when I absolutely had to do it, you know, like when my face was absolutely required. Yeah. Um, and then other than that, it really, because in the first season I did all, everything, all of the choreography and the second, you know, so when my back is turned, it's not me basically. I understand. So can you, now this is something that a lot of, I mean, I reckon probably 99% of people don't realise, you know, I think there is an assumption that, you know, you, you get up, you, you know, glamorous trailer, you, you appear on set, you film for a couple no. of months. But, there, but obviously the reality is, is uh, remarkable. I, I chatted with someone from Outlander and they were, you know, they're explaining what a typical day was like. And my, my, my jaw was like hitting the floor. Yeah. So what, so what sort of time are you getting up? And then what time, this was, I guess, more for series one with the training. When are you filming until? And then when are you training until? And then how, what were you doing to stay sane? So, I mean, I wasn't sane. Yeah. But I would get up on a good day when I didn't have an hour or two hour drive into work, which is often the case because you're on location. Like this season, I was living in Soho and I was working in like a two hour drive from London. So I was having to get up at five o'clock every morning and then I get home maybe nine. Um, and um, so on season one, for example, I had an amazing trainer, Sylvie. He was yeah. with me basically the whole time. And I get up six, maybe, uh, get in the car in my pajamas, drive to work. Then I'd have maybe an hour maybe a bit longer, an hour and a half, hair and makeup. So I have a wig that needs to put on. Wigs take ages to put on. Um, and then, you know, if I have any SFX, any like blood or scars, that takes a while. Covering up tattoos, that takes a while. Then you have costume. Then maybe I get to show a bit of breakfast in. Hopefully I have a time to take a shit. Probably not. <laughs> um, that's the worst part because you never know when you can poo. Like seriously, you all day... There's no, like, where are the port potties? Somewhere in the forest. Where are you going to, seriously? You get a five-minute coffee break, everyone. Oh, can I go to the loo? Yeah, maybe. But then you've got an AD knocking on the, knocking on the port potty like hot. It sucks. So then, you know, providing you've gone to the toilet, that's so gross. Providing you've gone to the toilet, then, uh, then you take them to set, then you do a run-through, then you're maybe on set from, like, eight till, or nine till five or six maybe maybe yeah. less, longer than that I don't fucking know and then D-Rig we had to get your wig taken off your makeup taken off that takes an hour then I go to the gym and train 
then I go to bed and probably have insomnia. I was going to say, because you still must be, uh, you must still be wired from the day, I'm guessing, especially by... Yeah, totally wired. Yeah. Were you, uh, were you doing, now, I, I, I will, again, I'll, I'll confess, I I listen to this thing, I mean, my wife next to me, every night's like, what are you doing? But I've listened to this ASMR thing to try and get myself to sleep, because I, I suffer with the whole too wired thing. Was, was, there, was there anything you were doing to help you power down? Mm, I don't know. No, not really, but I should probably find something. I'm now meditating. I'm one of those assholes. No, no, not at all. <laughs> how, do you, how do you find it? Um, it's really hard. I have ADHD, so like that's pretty tough. But I do like maybe 10 or 15 minutes. I try and do it every day. Um, and I do feel kind of good when I do it. I do feel like... You know, I do sort of go into this Zen mode. It's really nice. Yeah. Are you? Are you? Um, are you at that? The reason why I'm smirking is because I'll tell you where I'm. At. I've tried. I've tried for so many years, but I'm still at the guided stage. So I still need the. You know. Oh yeah, no, me too, dude. Oh, thank God. I mean, I, yeah, I'm, so- I'm not just like sitting on my own with my eyes closed. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying I'm jealous of those guys, but I certainly. It's more that I don't know how they do it. I can't ever imagine not having the, you know, you were a, you yeah. were a strong, confident, but you know, I, I can't ever imagine being without the, the guided, you know. There's a really good app actually that I use, and this isn't like a plugin or whatever. I'm not famous enough for that, but it's called Headspace. Sure. Um, and I think it's really great. Like it has all these different, like for stress, for anxiety, like for all the different things. And you just click in, you can choose five, from up to five to 20 minutes and they really work for me and they're not cringy either no they're good there's they no good. like yeah. flute music or sort of yeah. imagine an ocean bullshit like it's really good what um have you have you managed to uh, keep fit on lockdown what, what, what were you doing uh what were you doing for that um well for about like three months i did nothing and i felt like a potato and then and then I started doing a bit more yoga, going for runs with my dog, things like that. So yoga, <laughs> yoga and lockdown, I, uh, I, I, I can't recommend it enough. I mean, I've, I've done yoga for about 10 years. I'm not, I'm not very good at it, I, I love it but I get, I get a lot out of it. I mean, it's, uh, for anyone who's not tried it, it is a wonderful thing, isn't it? Yeah, it takes a while. And I would really recommend, actually, when I, when I started, you have – I would recommend – this is kind of a boring thing to say, but getting just putting paying if you can for like one or two one-on-one sessions, because I go, cause I did that. I was, I mean, I'm lucky enough to be able to do that, yeah. but I remember I used to go to yoga classes before and then after it changed dramatically. And you, I remember going to classes before lockdown and seeing people in positions that were so wrong and they were fucking their body, bodies up. And the teacher doesn't say shit because she's got like what, 30, 35 sure. people maybe in the room. So I really recommend when people start doing that stuff that they just invest in themselves for like one hour just to know really what they're doing before they go in. That's a good idea. With 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 um, with Hannah, because you look you look so different, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, but because you're able to transform yourself like that, are you? Do I take it you're you're okay living a a, a normal life without people, you know, bothering you if you like? 
yeah, I never get, very rarely get recognised. And I thought that was just because no one liked the show. And then I keep having situations where I'll tell people what I do and they'll be, oh, really? And what part do you play in that? Seriously, it happens all the time. And I was actually at dinner the other night with, I won't say who I was with, but um, someone's like, oh, and have you seen the show Hannah? And the (laughs) guy went, and we'd been having dinner for like 20 minutes and he went, yeah, and he was about to sort of snag it off. And then my friend's introduction went, oh, she's she's Hannah. And (laughs) it's so funny. And he went, oh, and we've been having dinner for like, you know, like half an hour. He was really nice about it, actually. He was like, no, it's just not my thing. And he had some totally valid points. Well, he wasn't rude at all, but I just thought it was funny. I mean, I I, I know given everything that we talked about, but do do you see, would you, do you still see it running for, do you still see it running and running? Or do you think you'll you'll step away? Um, I mean, it's totally up to them. I mean, it's such a, you know, it really is, it enables me to do things that, a lot of people can't it enables me to do independent things so I hope that it keeps going because it means that in those six months I can write and I can I can do other stuff I was really lucky to do that and um and to be able to do that with something that's actually good as well like, I think that's really so I'm so lucky and um so yeah I do I hope that happens in some way or another I'm pretty tired but but that, you know that's a wonderful thing. There is this old adage of one for them, one for me. I'm not, now I'm not. I'm not saying that Hannah is like a, a fast, furious movie, but but in terms of being able to free you up like that, I mean that's uh, that is a positive thing, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, it, it was such a it was such a pleasure to to talk with you, and thank you. You know what? Thank you so much for genuinely. That that was a real education. It was so lovely to to listen to a, a voice of such authority and for me to take on so much information there. And so, as I say, the next time I'm at that dinner party talking about films and TV, I will now have a, a, a fresh opinion <laughs> and I'm truly grateful. That. <laughs> that, was, that was a real blast. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thanks a lot. Have a great day. Bless bye. You. Take care. Thank you. Bye, bye, bye. Thank you. Huge thanks to Esme. A wonderful chat. I think we are lucky on this uh, podcast where people do open up and are honest and speak from the heart. But I mean, I've been interviewing people for 20 years and there are times, not on the Balance podcast, I just want to make that absolutely clear, <laughs> but there are times when people trot out, you know, the same stuff or they they phone it in a bit, you know, they don't really mean the answers that they're giving. Uh, and so to chat with someone who, i tell you what, turned up, Turned up for the podcast uh, to sit down for a, a, a proper chat was was wonderful, and uh, it was one of those chats that uh, really stayed with me. And it was good to you know, crikey, I'm never too old to learn. That's one thing. That's one thing life teaches me on a daily basis. I feel like I learn from my two young girls, and uh, and yeah, to to be educated like that was wonderful. And uh, yeah, really took it all on board. Great, great, absolutely fantastic. Very, very likeable. First thing I did after the chat was email the people who made it happen to say, what an absolute legend. Brilliant. I uh, hope to chat with her again. Thank you very much, Esme. I think you're fantastic. Hannah, uh, uh, seasons one and two available to watch. And uh, if you're a Hannah fan, I, you will, I, you will uh, agree with me, I think, when I say I really hope that show just keeps on running. Uh, lots of directions it can take.
If you would like to drop me an email, podcast at balance.media. Get in touch with our sales team. Maybe you want a podcast ad, my dulcet tones, or <laughs> or some less. Sales at balance.media. Cheers, guys. Take care. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.